I actually like these episodes. I thought these episodes were very interesting. And you know why? Because they're based around a mystery. Yeah, because it's a mystery. That's all I have to but say. The tr- I, like okay. these, I like these few episodes because it's a mystery. The true mystery is how the characters are going to develop. No. I'm orange. No, that's not. Do you see the smile in this one flame? Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) That And welcome back to another episode of my first anime this week covering Hioka episodes 9 through 12. I'm Chris Bailey. I'm Salvador, also known as Monkey. And I'm Anthony Vaught. So I just had a realization about something. Anthony has previously pointed out to me uh, how many times he's heard me do that elongated I'm when I do the introduction. <laughs> And I just realized that it's because every time I'm doing it, my brain is like firing, trying to be like, what kind of stupid thing can I say here to force these guys to try and follow my act? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I never come up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was prepped. I actually had in my mind, like, I thought you were going to come in with like a uh, president of the whatever club, Chris Bailey. <laughs> no, I, dude, I, I don't, I don't think about it at all beforehand. <laughs> It's literally as soon as I start, I'm like, oh, do I have something to do? Nope. Mm, so that's where your I'm comes from. Yeah. Like, apparently. Gotcha. I mean, it could be like, I'm Salvador, also known as the Ward. Yeah, but we're not, we're, we're not watching JoJo, so that doesn't uh, There's tarot cards <laughs> in these fucking episodes, motherfucker. There's tarot cards in everything. <laughs> what, it, what does the world mean? What does the world mean? I yeah. don't fucking know, dude. How would I know about fucking tarot cards? You're not the world. You're like the upside down hermit or something. Do you, is that even a thing or are you just saying Yeah, something? tarot cards can go upside down. <laughs> and the hermit is a tarot card. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound stupid, Owen. I, everything you just said just sounds stupid. I agree, but for other reasons. <laughs> I also agree, but for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> That's my anime minute. I'm done. I had nothing. <laughs> That's all? Okay. Yeah, I didn't do anything. I'm trying to get back into d- being a well-rounded human. That's good. Mm, I got bad news. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> my anime minute. Uh, still watching Taskmaster. Still good. I'm on the last episode. Kind of sad. But in that, uh, that's all. Like, I don't... I'm still playing Zelda. And I think after watching, uh, finished watching Taskmaster, I'm going to start, like, getting back into my anime form, get get ripped, get all this other stuff. Because, mm-hmm. god damn, it's, it's been, like, three weeks since I actually watched anime besides the one that we watched this weekly. So, actually, damn, so I'm the only one? Hold on, I might have something that qualifies. Uh, mm-hmm. I have been playing Neo 2 uh, because I wanted to punch demons. But that's it. Uh, oh, also, no one has no. Apparently, no. It's got a pretty good character creator, and no one has made a character uh, of Makoto Nijima. So I can't be Makoto Nijima punching demons, and that is criminal. So, and I'm not good enough to do it on my own. Also, I did forget to say. Um, just so these last few episodes makes me want to watch Columbo again. So I might get back into Columbo. I support this. <laughs> 
Okay, and that's all for our anime minute. No, uh, tell you me. Oh, is it? Tell it. me about One Piece. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't know how far I told you guys I got last time. Through Koro. Uh, okay, I, I didn't hit any major arcs. I think I'm still in filler because I didn't watch too many. But I made it to where they're doing practicing cannibal shots. Uh, that episode. I don't even know if I finished that one because I think I had something to do that day. But I remember they started firing off cannon balls, I think. And then one goes through a restaurant. <laughs> Oh, the Barty? Yeah, where they meet, uh, which I, I remember the guy. Sanji. The sous chef. Yeah. Yeah, Sanji. So Sanji is there, and he, like, was all cocky against the cockier guy. Mm. Zoro? No, it wasn't Zoro. It was against no, the no, fucking uh, Navy guy. Yeah, the Navy oh, guy. Full body? Do you not remember One Piece? The, yeah, yeah. The knuckle guy? I'm, I'm assuming full body, yeah. I yeah. think that was it, yeah. But he's, like, shitting on him in front of everybody, and everybody's like, giggle, giggle. And then uh, the cook is like, yeah, no, no, it'll be fine, Luffy. All you do is just work here for a fucking year. And Luffy was like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, the best I can do is a week. <laughs> and I think I, I had to pause it around there, or that may have been the episode. I don't know. That's, that's the last thing I really remember from that episode. Barty's kind of weak, I think. I like Barty. I like the final battle. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, but I think Don Krieg is like, whatever. Also, you forgot about Mihawk. I did not that. forget about Mihawk. <laughs> don't you oh. worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mihawk oh, I, I know this is all Japanese to you, Anthony, but you will understand soon. Oh, that's actually a really interesting point. Anthony, have you do you feel like you've picked up any like Japanese words or phrases yet? Yeah, nani. <laughs> Other than nani. <laughs> uh yeah, there's our uh, I I don't it's kinda like Spanish where you like I can't off the cuff tell you all the words I know, but when I hear it, I'm like, fuck, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. And uh I probably can pick up on a few words. Like I actually I even caught it on Hayoka. They were saying some some phrase over and over again and i was like huh was it what they were talking to the librarian and chitanda said deska like 30 times in a row maybe i think that may have been it actually yeah my understanding is like deska acts acts like a question mark basically okay all right are we good with our animes yeah Mm -hmm. done with the anime minute Mm -hmm. Let's go into episode nine then the case of furuoka deserted village murder The, probably the best name for a movie that was suggested. Very, uh, roll, really rolls off the tongue. I'm going to say right off the bat, I actually like these episodes. I thought these episodes were very interesting. And you know why? Because they're based around a mystery. Yeah, because it's a mystery. That's all I have to but say. The tr- I, like okay. these, I like these few episodes because it's a mystery. The true mystery is how the characters are going to develop. No. I, I'm orange. No, that's not. Do you the, see the smile in this one flame? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that was so <laughs> The true mystery is how the characters already are, motherfuckers. <laughs> so we come in on three theory that we're we're getting presented by the three or presented the three theories from uh the assistant director, the prop master, and the pl- publicity person. We start with the director Chitanda busts out her snacks, which are whiskey bonbons. Uh, we get to see everyone's reactions, which is quite good. Uh, Oreki is very surprised that Toshi acts like it's like super spicy, and Mayaka is like running in her chair. And Chitanda's <laughs> like, "Yeah, this is cool. Whatever, having a good time." I think she was bad about it. Um, the uh, the explanation from the assistant director starts, and Chitanda goes in for another bonbon. <laughs> uh. Satoshi's whole thing. I mean, it, it's 
this whole thing is set up really well and played very much like an interrogation with Satoshi kind of playing. He's sort of playing detective, but he's more like the sidekick. Yeah. While uh, Mayaka and Oreki kind of take the lead. Or I guess Mayaka's like the, the lead detective and Oreki's more of like, he's the boss who's watching, right? Through the glass. Yeah. Yeah. We learned that Hongo, the writer of the movie, is often sick and... Oreki asks the assistant director if there was perhaps a problem with the script, to which he denies. And Mayaka starts to get into it. She's going like a full-blown cop on him. Uh, he presents his theory, which is the culprit is you, in that it doesn't matter what happens. It just has to be thrilling. <laughs> and I was just thinking about you two during the scene. Mm, that's strange. I have a character. I was thinking about you later on oh i'm excited to hear this um oh yeah he, he tells us that the death scene was ad-libbed and introduces the concept of a locked room murder which i'm sure we all know what those are uh they used a block of ice to prop open the window uh but he does talk about the window and how that could have been the path the killer took uh and then we get the floor plan where satoshi goes over the layout of it for us uh the assistant director tells us that Hongo knew uh, the location, had seen it beforehand, so she knew all the possible paths. Mayaka has her doubts, as there's no trace of the window being used, um, which I just want to go ahead and shout out real quick that I think these two episodes specifically, I really appreciate. Like, there have been hints of it before, but they finally really show us that Mayaka is, like, actually really intelligent, they straight up confirm it with some of what Satoshi talks about and a lot of her actions this these next couple episodes are her like almost rising to erect his level. Oh no, I, I think to me, I think uh Mayaka is like the opposite of the main character. Like I'm not saying she she's not as smart as the main character, but she does connect like points like the main character does. I actually do like Mayaka and I, I think she is to me, I think she's like um the main character, but she's just not as calm, so she's not able to connect everything together like he can, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. And it's something I don't think we've really seen in full yet, but we'll pray shortly. That she's kind of like the hard work versus genius, right? That is present in so many anime where Areki is just this naturally gifted deductive reasoning guy. Mayaka is really smart and she's good at stuff, but she has to put in the work. It doesn't come natural to her which Satoshi references a little bit later. And we also learn from the assistant director that Hongo wasn't up on mysteries, really. She didn't know the genre that well and tries to play off the grass thing. It's like, ah, summer grass grew over. We'll just cut it again and mystery solved. <laughs> yeah, it, this bugged me because it was just like, because uh, the Empress told told us the fact that she's... um. Like, she likes mysteries, and she's the one to create this. And then the director tells, like, no, she was, like, a novice in mysteries, and then she decided to do this. And I was just like, which word do we take? And from, I guess, from my understanding now, you're supposed to take uh, the word from the directors and the other people, because the Empress, like, straight up lied about it or something like that. Because, like, from my understanding, I thought she was really big into mysteries, but... I was like, wait, are these guys wrong? I thought I thought the director and the other two people were, was wrong about the uh, Hondo. But really, I think it was the Empress that was, like, giving out wrong information, which we figure out why later. 
Yeah, that that honestly caught me a little bit because like, wait, did I know we talked about her being way into mysteries? Did we make that up? No, I'm pretty sure the Empress said that. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm fairly certain that she did. Yeah, which just just means don't believe everybody, you guys. Don't believe anybody, okay? Unreliable information in a mystery. Who to thunk? Yeah. Homeboy leaves. They basically say, yeah, this guy's dumb. And Areki talks about uh, the physical, it, like it's too simple a physical explanation and too, and also makes it too like simple a psychological inf- uh, conclusion because th- there's like a million times that people could have seen the killers from like outside the windows or whatever. And that's why his doesn't work. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, uh, did they talk, talk about the Sherlock Holmes thing yet? Or is that what the second uh, That guy? is right now, yep. Oh, okay. And it talks about how everybody's, um, like how big it, everybody's into mysteries. And then Satanda is actually not into mysteries, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fun little bit of irony. Oh, God, I just kind of realized that. Holy shit, that she's not really into at least reading mystery novels, but she's been like this the whole time. Which I, I, I think at the end, like towards the end of all this, I think maybe I'll start to talk about like some of the bigger stuff that I've been wanting to talk about since episode one. Um, Because Mayaka's is really going to come to a head, I think, in the next set. And Chitanda's still might take a little bit. But there's uh, a plausible reason that that's just... It's a fun joke, but there's actually, like, a reason that she's... She is this way, but maybe is not into mysteries, as it were. Areki, he did some... He's read some. He says, Mayaka says she's about average, pretty... uh, A lot of, like, Agatha Christie and the big ones and stuff. Um, Chitanda... None doesn't enjoy mysteries, and Satoshi yep. is uh, a Sherlockian. Yep, really enjoys mysteries. Yeah, well, well he's specifically Sherlock Holmes, and Mayaka's the one who's like who calls him a Sherlockian when he kind of like plays it down. Uh, they, but they also ask Aba for the scripts so they can look in and see like what uh, Hongo had planned for. Then the prop master is up, and this man. <laughs> Needs to fucking chill. This is Chris. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Did I get you, dog? You're still the first guy because of a line that comes later that I very much enjoyed. You just wait. Remember that? And when we cur- we come back to this, or when, when I tell you that line, you're going to feel roasted, okay? As he enters, John the Hiccups, good sign. She's doing great. Random question, can you really get drunk if you eat too many of those candies? It depends on what's actually in those motherfuckers. Yeah, mo- most uh, like liquor chocolates that I've seen, for one, it's like a very small dose. You know, like those chocolate-filled cherries. You're probably getting like less than that, I would have to imagine. Or chocolate-covered cherries, not chocolate-filled. But my, from my, under- my experience with them is that they are very small. Typically, so the alcohol content's not going to be that high. And you will probably get like violently ill <laughs> before you would get drunk off them. Although, again, that's speaking as a full-grown adult. Chitanda, someone who probably doesn't have uh, experience with alcohol and is probably like 90 pounds Bro, soaking wet. that's a teenage wet. farmer's daughter. She has experience with alcohol. I was going to say with Anthony, see, I mean, I, I think she drinks his sake every day, but... Point is, I think these could reasonably get a small teenager fucked up, perhaps. Probably. If they, if we don't know how much time passed and she fucking mouthed those things down, dude. Yeah, because I think there was like, what, 16 and everyone, like, she gave out four. Yeah, they all had one and she ate the rest. I thought alcohol was like, like, I thought whenever you cook alcohol, it's burned off. Like, you still get the taste, but you don't get the drunkenness. I think they inject it in. They don't cook it in. 
Oh, you think so? Okay. I think so, yeah, because they, like, the ones I've seen do have actual alcohol content. Okay. So the prop master, the prop master comes in and they talk about uh, studying, or, or he says that Hongo studied Sherlock Holmes uh, to, for her mysteries, and, or for the movie, rather, um, and says, and calls her an amateur for studying Sherlock Holmes, because he's for amateur, or, yeah, Holmes is for amateurs, Mayaka gets all huffy about it, and so there she's like, nah, he's right. Sherlock Holmes is for amateurs. Fuck me. <laughs> is Sherlock Holmes really for amateurs? I don't. I've never read Sherlock Holmes. Um, I don't think it's necessarily for amateurs, but I very much imagine like the way he's coming from this is that a bunch of people, when you first get into the mystery, they're like, I know Sherlock Holmes. Let's read that book. And then he's like, watch the movies, read the books. So in that terms, like that's the first thing that they come to. So that's the first thing that they get used to. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they branch off into like Agatha Christie and... JK go Rowling ahead. and all the, you know, patented. <laughs> no, 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 go what ahead. Name fuck? one more mystery out there. God, I can't name any. Oh. No. Raymond Chandler. Raymond Chandler, absolutely. Um Stephen King. Stephen King, yeah. Well known mystery. He's more of a and, horror uh, author. Which is which is actually a really fun point to bring up because we'll talk about that in our next and uh, lastly, E.L. James. Don't know who that is. They find they find notes in the books and we get the prop master's theory, which is because Hongo requested a rope that wouldn't break under a human's weight. Um, so he surmises that someone came from the second floor, uh, <laughs> stabbed him and went back out the window, <laughs> which there's a fun animation with this where the person just I think it's actually later when they rejected, but the person just like boing it outside the window while the guy just stands there. Yes. Yeah. When he's describing why it's not uh, not very good. Because they'd just be boinging out there because they can't open the window because it was so um, hard or whatever. Yeah, the other guy just standing there looking the other way. (laughs) Boing, boing, boing. Yeah, like Monkey called it, the the, the little walk sound is really good. Oh, it's so good. I love the simulation of these. I just want a quick side note about the mystery novel shit. Mm -hmm. When I first said J.K. Rowling, it was completely like bullshit. I just think of Harry Potter and I threw in the first author that thought of. She actually wrote a mystery novel called The Cuckoo's uh, Calling. Yeah, she she does do mystery novels a little bit. We need to. We can't. We can't continue down this road because every second is leading me closer to a joke that I should not make. <laughs> so he also says that um, he takes out these two bottles, one's fucking giant, and <laughs> says that the scene uh, Hongo initially called for a lot less blood, but I thought otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny because they do go throw in a little bit of tidbits that Hondo's vision was completely, like, not followed through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking back at it, like, fuck. Yeah, yeah looking at back at it, you're like, oh, wait, they outlived the, the death. They gave, they put in a lot of blood. It's like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense now. I'll be honest, I kind of, uh, I don't even remember the ad lib of the death part. When you guys mentioned that earlier, I was like. I'm it's a really quick line. Yeah. Where am I? Oh, yeah. Uh, then we learn that this guy hasn't actually seen the movie <laughs> to know about his how he feels about his theory. Uh, he leaves and Mayaka is still pissed. She's like, this, this fucking guy talking bad about people who like Sherlock Holmes. I'm kind of saying because <clears throat> she's definitely defending uh, Satoshi, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jatanda has meanwhile eaten all of the chocolates. And they start to talk about how the theory is inconsistent with the movie for reasons we talked about previously. Uh, and Jadanda gets like way up on a recce. Uh, actually there's a, there's a good bit where 
she's just like hanging out and they're like, hey, you good, Shatanda? And she's like, I'm fine. And then she sings, I'm fine again. Uh, then she gets all up in Araki's business again. And, he, and he's just like, you're drunk. <laughs> I do like to, Araki does say like, you're drunk. It's so good. Uh, to which she insists, of course, that she is fine. She is not fine. Uh, there's no footprints out the window. We learn, or the, we learn from the script that there are specifically not supposed to be footprints out the window. And Chitanda wonders about the process of writing the script that Hongo used. And then we get the publicity girl who, this girl is wild. <laughs> she is on something, dude. I mean, she, she has to be hyped up. She's the publicity of this, yeah. uh, of the movie. <laughs> she comes in and says, ciao. And to which, of course, Chitanda chows back very politely. <laughs> so good. <laughs> she talks about like what how when you go into a video store what's in the mystery section and it's not actual mysteries it's horror movies it's like friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street and shit lame which satoshi confirms he's like yeah actually that's a really good point um so to her it's it's horror and mystery are basically interchangeable and takes it's, more it's, of a yeah go ahead i mean i i think it's funny because i don't even count those as horror films i count those as slasher films yeah totally but i mean they're they're probably the first things that someone think of when you when you ask them what a horror movie is also. Even though with a little bit more thought, they are slashers, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, when I think of a horror, it's always Brave Little Toaster. Mm. Um, so she introduces the concept that, of course, there's a seventh person present at this, uh, at this house. Dun, dun, dun. And it is confirmed by Hongo was looking for another actor. And the publicity girl proposes that it is a phantom killer that is revealed. <laughs> <laughs> and they ask about the logic and she's like, who cares? The phantom killer should be able to go through walls. Oh, my God. I was so dumb. Now, didn't everyone just like, I mean, yeah, she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She goes through her whole thing and leaves. And they are, they're like, yeah, I mean, she's kind of spouting nonsense, but also... That, can anything she said really be refuted logically? No. Uh, Chitanda is, gets up and starts just saying stuff. She's all red-faced. Then her face goes back to white. She sparkles up into the sky. Says, it's like seeing through a kaleidoscope. And then face down <laughs> straight on the table. <laughs> it was so good. I love this scene. I'm so drunk. This is so funny. I really wish she had a little bit more like slur in her like words. Mm. And I think that she would have played that so fucking perfectly. No, I wish it was like 10 more minutes of her like <laughs> just being drunk. Well, I think the the good part of it is that we didn't get a whole lot of her. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't like she over was the top or obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, they reject that. And <laughs> they reject that final theory and decide to go home. Mayaka brings Chitanda home. And Satoshi and Reki walk together. Satoshi hits him with the all that's left of Warriors' dreams is summer's summer grasses or whatever. What the fuck does that mean? Um, I tried to look it up, and I, I think it's from like an old poem. And I I don't think like there's a complicated meaning. I think it's exactly what it sounds like. Like it's rooted in that you know Warriors they fought for stuff, they died for stuff, but. All that's left of their struggles, their dreams, whatever, is the grass that grew over where they fought and died. Oh, okay. Basically, that, that's what I could gather from a quick Google search. If I'm wrong and there's something else to it, please tell us. 
It would. I would love nothing more than for Orange to be proven wrong. Please tweet us, dude. I I have said that exact phrase like so many times this podcast. <laughs> I know. I just I just need to know that my feelings are out there. Ureki runs into Irisu and she talks about how like there's an obvious outcome with no technical skill involved in something, no matter the passion that goes into it, which not wrong, but still kind of fucked up. Um, and Ureki goes to tea with her, and that is where we leave episode nine. Are we good with episode nine? My last sentence there was, what's this girl's angle? So I know I've called it out a lot before. I'm going to call it out again because I think it's very noticeable in this episode. The facial expressions in this show give away so, so, so much. Irisu specifically, her facial expressions change like very little. But even when they do, her eyes almost never change. She always has the same just like neutral look. Um, even when she changes her mouth and her face and Areki, he usually is he has that like kind of half asleep frown on most of the time. But you can get a lot from him with like, especially in, I think it's this episode where he gets like real intense for a minute. And at the beginning, which I'm about to talk about, he's got like the nervous sweat drip look. Yeah, just wanted to call that out. Um, but episode 10, Blind Spot to All, having tea with Irisu. Uh, much different experience than having coffee with Chitanda. My man was sweating, bro. Oh, no, I love this, though, because he's like, yeah, let's get tea or whatever it is. And she brings him she brings him to, like, a legit, like, tea ceremony place. Like, not like a fucking coffee shop where you can get tea at. She brings him to, like, a place that, like, specializes in tea. Yeah, <laughs> and he and she's like, don't worry, I'm paying. Um, I, I, I also love that, like, he is very clearly intimidated by her, but not in a way that's like... Wait, I thought it was just hot inside. <laughs> I thought you were going to have something of substance to say. God <laughs> I never have anything of substance to say. I know, dude. One of these days, one of these days, <laughs> you will make me proud. But yeah, I, I really don't think it's like a... He's intimidated by her because she's scary. I think he's intimidated by her, not in the same way, but a similar way that Chitanda intimidates him, where she has this expectation of him and for whatever reason, this ability to draw something out of him, if that makes sense. Uh, it does after episode like 11. Mm. But yeah, he, he explains everything that went down to her, uh, that they rejected everyone's theories and Irisu's like yes of course all according to plan uh all according to Kikaku sorry Kikaku means plan translators know uh Areki also while he's trying to give his explanations like every time he starts to talk she just interrupts him which I love and he basically surmises that they were going to use one of their ideas but Irisu heard about Areki from three people Chitanda the weed man and one other person who has not yet been revealed. Um, and she tells him that he's special. And he gets a flash of a rose petal. And she asks him for help again. He deflects with his luck thing. And she tells the story about a bench warmer and a natural talent. Uh, the natural talent wins like a gold medal or whatever and says that they happen to get lucky. And she says that that answer is caustic to the bench warmer. 
You should recognize who you are or you make fools of those who are watching you. God, I love this chick. This chick. So this is kind of on to a little bit of Monkey's point, generally speaking, but like I really like this girl mm-hmm. um, because she's like she's so good at manipulation. Her swapping to like, and I'm pretty sure you maybe, I, I wasn't really like paying attention to her face exactly, but swapping like it just felt so real. Her swapping between like, here's what's actually happening and here's what I'm going to be doing and you know, it'd be really great if you could help us. Mm-hmm. You know, those two things, like, she does it so fucking well and so much, like, and, like, literally calling him special and, like... She repeats it, too. Yeah, and also using logic along those lines, too, in the same, like, conversation where she's like, you know, you saying lucky is, you know, really demeaning to, like, other people who, you know, like, using logic to, like, emotionally manipulate even more, into like, into helping. Mm-hmm. And I, I know manipulation has, like, negative connotation, but, like... I think that it goes both ways here. I think she's getting what she wants, and she's also, whether or not she wants to, is helping him out with this special shit. Totally. Yeah, and I think that specifically we'll touch on later. Yeah, and I really love this scene. Um, So I want to know, I guess, what how you guys... I, for one, I want to know how you feel about that like anecdote and that um, sentiment in general, and then also how you think it actually applies to Areki and the show. It being... Basically saying a person with talent saying that they just got lucky being like a really shitty thing to say in the eyes of people who have worked hard and, but still can't meet the natural talent. Yeah. Uh, let me gather my thoughts on this. Um, I mean, what I have to say is he's not wrong. Everything she's saying is pretty truthful. The thing is you could think of it as the you could say that the gifted person can literally say they was lucky because they was lucky to be born with the gifts they had. That would be like one way you could refute her argument. But it's still really it still really feels bad for the bench formal because they was not lucky enough to get those talents like everybody like the Yeah, the bench is at like a lose lose in this situation, right? Because Yeah. Um when someone's called lucky I mean it truly is like a little bit of like, you know, talent lucky whatever into it and so if they recognize it as luck which i mean i guess ultimately it kind of is uh in the sense that you know like monkey just said like you were born with a special talent or something like that i guess it's kind of how you view it as either being like literally luck or if you born with i don't know it's kind of weird to say yeah totally separate but i i don't want to talk too much about that specifically because i mean it, it is just kind of a a viewpoint thing of, yeah, you can say that when they say they got lucky, they are referring to the quote unquote natural born talent. But in this case, he specifically is saying that my thought process just lucked into it. Right. And, and I think that's kind of the sentiment behind most of the uh, most times someone say they would got lucky. They, they're not meaning they got lucky that they were born that good. If they meant that, they would probably say that explicitly. Mm-hmm. If someone's deflecting or trying to humble being be humble by saying they got lucky, they mean in that specific instance they got lucky. But that aside, if you apply it to the show and look at it as let's say Oreki is the gold medalist and Satoshi is the bench warmer. Why? Because Satoshi I mean, Yeah, yeah go ahead. I mean I mean they discussed this, right? I mean I don't More know discuss the proof. In the previous episode, but they, they do discuss the fact that Satoshi is, is envious to um, Oreki. Yeah, he's he is envious of Oroki. But the thing with Satoshi is he is envy with Oroki, but 
Satoshi knows the fact that he is a bench formal, so he doesn't like. I don't want to say he doesn't kill, but he like he has he has accepted that and he's he's moved on. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we are going to talk more about that point specifically either in this set or the next set. I believe it's hard to know when to really dive into Satoshi. They kind of needle at his character stuff the entire series, but I guess that's why I'm confused still when they were talking about like when you just drop that like lucky. Like, it's not like he's out there, like, pulling the Mayaki where she's, like, get, trying to premeditate Mayaka. the guess. Sorry, Mayaka. Uh, like, she's out there actually guessing and stuff that last one and just getting it wrong. They're not doing the same things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how I mean, are you comparing I, I, them to when they're not doing the same thing? It's kind of weird, right? Sure. Um, I, I see where you're coming from, and Mayaka is definitely the easier comparison as the bench warmer. Especially given how she starts to warm up to a wreck in these past couple episodes, but or next next couple episodes. But go ahead. Yeah, and if they like start um, changing it to where like you know uh, Satoshi's more like, man, I do wish I could do what you did instead of what I do, kind of stuff like that. Sure, but just straight up saying like that, because the envious comment which is coming in this ep- or in this set of episodes, I did not apply that to almost anything because it just didn't make sense to me. Sure, and I don't actually entirely disagree with that. I don't love the envious comment. The reason I think this applies to Satoshi more than Mayaka in kind of an abstract way is because Satoshi isn't jealous of... I I personally don't think that Satoshi is jealous of Areki. I don't think he wants to be Areki and have the Areki powers, right? What I think is the thing with Satoshi is that Oreki is like, yeah, I got lucky, whatever. He downplays himself so much. And Satoshi doesn't. And he can't do what Oreki does. So rather than truly just actually being envious of Oreki, I think it's more that he wishes that Oreki would recognize his abilities and do more with them. Oh, if that's it? Oh, 100%. I'm on board with that. Fucking, yeah. This this may be a dumb comparison, but I, uh, the la- or one of the shows I recently kind of re-watched a lot of was uh, Shameless. There we go. And they have the, uh, like, the middle child is, like, the super fucking bright kid. And the whole time everyone's like, dude, you can make it out. Like, you can get out of here. You have the smarts. Like, you can go to college, full ride, all that shit. He was, like, ace and ACTs and stuff for other people. Part That's how part of how he got money and stuff. Just destroying it. And the whole time I was like, he, and this is whole, like, his whole multi-season arc is like, it's not my fault I got lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, I, why can't I just be like you guys? Yeah, which, and I will say it was it's pretty fun like for a couple of seasons, but after a while, man, come on, let's fucking move on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the thing, part of the thing with Areki, right? Like he's actually the truly envious one of the group. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense because I, I I'm not the, at the same point where like, dude, let's move on. Like it seems like he is slowly like, oh God, there's so much we could talk about. Uh, I think <laughs> I, I only know about half of the story, so it's hard for me to deep dive, but mm-hmm. I think I'm going to love this part of it. Um well everything like the beginning of the show is super fucking slow for me super slow like i think i got it really into it episode nine um, okay or yeah this 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 season or this set of episodes because everything starts playing in like he is slowly getting the special stuff they're kind of showing you like the tarot cards where he looks it up in the un- later episode or whatever and like everything is slightly related to each other so like satoshi calls him the whatever uh strength or whatever right Yep, and it's mainly because of the well, at least one of the readings is because the woman is controlling the lion, right? Yep, <laughs> yeah. So we can jump into this point real quick. 
Uh, everything that this man has done, like to get out of his gray hood, has been because of a woman, right? Yeah. Chitanya yep, yep, yep. and even Irisu got him to come in the summer to yep. school. Yeah. So, like. And obviously, his sister Tomoe has. She kicked off everything. She's like the puppet master almost. Yep. And yeah, she she made him join the lit club and all stuff. And even the tarot book thing right there that got got him thinking more is even related to his sister. Yeah. I know it's a little less, you know, obvious, but it's in there too. And then uh like that's that was kind of one of the things I was thinking about when I said literally everything's kind of related in this in this show. Like they don't leave a lot of loose loose things, it seems like, which is nice. Mm-hmm. That's really good when you can do that properly. And he slowly even uh, with the the conscious thoughts when they got together to do their anthology when they're still working on the Hyoka puzzle. Uh, mm-hmm. His conscious, like, maybe I do want, you know, a red life and the leads up to here where he's like, is a red life worth it? Because, you know, it comes with all these responsibilities. And we haven't touched a whole lot about that stuff recently, but he's got more stuff on his plate now, like where he's thinking about, like, do I really, well, I don't know if he's thinking about it, but it seems like we're about to go into the part where do I really let, like, these women control me kind of like this, you know? Yeah, he goes full red pill. Visibly upset. <laughs> yeah, it takes his red pill. Because he gets visibly upset at one of the episodes, right? Yep. Which in this one, and whether or not he's thinking about it, that is, I guess, at least an unconscious feeling that he's getting, right? About oh, it's life. a conscious feeling because he's thinking about it. Yeah, or whether or not he's realizing what's happening. Yeah. Because he doesn't, there's not a whole, hell, like, because uh, they do internalize here, but they seem to internalize very quick, like, three, four sentence thoughts. They don't, like, do a whole lot of, like, well, what does this mean because of this? Like, they do it occasionally, mm-hmm. but, so it's hard to tell exactly what the characters are going through, which is probably not a bad idea for, like, a drama where, you know, coming, coming of age, slice of life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if... Did that strand of thoughts make sense? Yeah, made me happy. Um, and you touched on something very, very big that I want you to keep in mind. Um, the fact that uh, it's all been women, I think, is irrelevant. Uh, but it is. I think it's important to keep in mind and realize that everything that we know about in his life, whenever he's been pushed, it's been by an external force. The fact that, you know, those show frames it as being three women... I, I think it's kind of neither here nor there. It's just how it worked out. But uh, I think it could be a little bit more, or I think you could read into that a little bit by saying, like, I mean, he's a teenage boy, right? Yeah, but one of them is his sister. <laughs> but you have to also think the Satoshi is, you have to say the Satoshi is his best friend and he was not able to get none of, he was not able to get his friend to get past to the point where he's able to do stuff. That's true. And I think that might be because of Satoshi's own issues that we haven't really been able to dive into. And like I said, the show has been kind of needling at them, but we haven't full confronted Satoshi yet. Yeah. And also to me, at least what the show's presented is Satoshi is not the guy that's going to push somebody to do it. He's just going to support you with whatever you do. Exactly. I, I think that is also, yes, dead on. Anyway, we spent a lot of time in T-Town. Luckily, I think that is a lot of the meat in this episode. If I'm it not is a lot of the meat in the next covered. couple episodes. <laughs> Well, Rekki has his doubts and the scene, he starts to say I, and then the scene abruptly cuts. Um, and then he's back meeting with Satoshi saying that basically he agreed to help again because Oreki is dutiful and devoted, <laughs> his own words. Oreki tells him that it's not Chitanda this time. And Satoshi quotes his motto back at him. Oreki then asks Satoshi if he feels that there's anything that only he can accomplish. And Satoshi says No. Uh, and Satoshi starts to explain himself. And the best way to do that to me, I, I, he kind of talks like he's a dilettante with no 
uh, special talents, right? He 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 dips his toe in everything, but he's not good at anything. He's never gonna excel at anything. Which I'll be honest, dude, his passport analogy was fucking awesome. Passport analogy, uh, at least in the dub. Yeah, here he goes. Yeah, I just go into things, get my passport stamp, and then uh, on to the next. Oh yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, which. I mean, I guess this is kind of an opportunity to talk about Satoshi a little bit. Just to quickly round out this scene, he talks then about how, like, he's actually not really a Sherlocky and, like, he doesn't know that much. If Mayaka got into Sherlock Holmes, she would pass him up in months. Oreki tells him that he gives him value or he values him more than he values himself or whatever. Basically that, hey, give yourself more credit, man. And I kind of want to know, like, what you guys thought about this, like, how you take... Satoshi's view of himself versus Areki's view of Satoshi. And and you, it ties kind of pretty well back into the stuff we were talking about earlier. I mean, Satoshi's pretty smart. Uh he does seem like that the dude that does have like a lot of information, like really good at like like notes and small details and stuff like that. Uh I mean, being perceptive is still a skill to have. He just may not be able to like you know use it to like solve fucking high school mysteries, but hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's not enough without like y- unfortunately like juggling off you to remember exactly like what I'm supposed to be looking for or remembering. Yeah, that's fair. I thought of a better point later. Maybe not to come back to this, but to apply it to it at least in your mind. Just just remember Satoshi. Just be thinking about Satoshi. <laughs> and Satoshi, well, Reki basically tells him like, "Yo, man, you could be the greatest Sherlockian in the world if you wanted." And he's like, "No, nah, a lot of things are more appealing than uh being a Sherlockian." And I could, then he says he couldn't be more envious of Areki and bikes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are back in the club room. Mayaka teases Areki, saying that Irisu seduced him with something in order to get him to agree to come to school on a day off. I love that he didn't say no. He was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and dude, I will never get over her fucking smug face every time she has a gotcha on Areki. Uh, Chitanda is home with a hangover. <laughs> And they decide to watch the movie again. Mayaka this time says the movie is lacking. Uh, the camera work is poor and starts to discuss all the like different weird angles in the movie. Mayaka does, um, she does like say like what she would do to fix the scene. And I do like the fact that she's like going totally like director mode in this. Like, oh yeah, I could fix this. I could fix this. Like, yeah. this is all shitty and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, which again, love that Mayaka's getting the opportunity to show that, oh, she's actually really smart and talented. <laughs> Satoshi's like, okay, that's enough. And she's like, why? And Araki's like, because you, you'll go on forever. <laughs> uh, a guy barges in and starts accosting Satoshi to go to his remedial lessons. Uh, and he eventually gets dragged out. <laughs> yeah, what's up? I just, I mean, uh, this was just funny. You just just great, like clawing on the ground, trying to not to leave. And then he escapes and runs back in. And he's like, here, take my notes. He's like, quit dragging me. I, I do like the, uh, his online. He's like, uh, the, the, constraint, the constraints of this world are beyond my control. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. And he gives them their notebook and says, think of this notebook as me. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. that. That was such a great scene. Uh, then Mayaka also has to go. Which, I don't know, I think she was just leaving because Satoshi's not there anymore and doesn't want to hang with Araki. I think I, yeah, I got that exactly down. Uh, really? I, I just thought see, it was literally just for Manga Club. I think Manga it was a little column A, a little column B. Nah. <laughs> like, she probably could have hung for like another five, ten minutes, but nah. Yeah, yeah, you might be right about that, but I do like the fact she's like, yeah, if you had scheduled this like 
No, anyways, he wasn't going to manga clubs. He was, he had to shift in the library. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And then I do like yeah. If you just told me, I would have would been able to do this uh, mystery. Yeah, she she kind of scolds him a bit on the way out, and then yeah. eventually apologizes, saying as like a hey, sorry, you have to do this by yourself. Uh, but he starts scanning the movie. He goes to his weird TV mind palace and gets a solution. We cut to another meeting with Irisu where he explains. Basically everything he found using all the camera angles and stuff. And he turns that terrible movie into a found footage movie <laughs> where the killer is the camera person. And Oreki kind of pulls like the assistant director bit almost where he's like, listen, it's fine that the people in the movie know who it is immediately as long as the viewers are puzzled. That's what matters, right? Which makes sense as long I didn't pick this up. I was like, no, that's fucking stupid. And then I realized that that uh, when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, because they're going to end the movie right there. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, I'm like, okay. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really buy it. <laughs> but Irisu accepts and asks him for a title, to which he gives the title, Blind Spot to All, the title of the episode, you guys. So bad. <laughs> then walking home, sees a baseball, it says home run. Uh, we see a quick shot of Culture Fest prep, and there's a screening of the movie. Hayaka does not seem too pleased for whatever reason, but it generally goes over well. There's a great line where uh, the the publicity girl is hanging out with the assistant director, and they're walking off screen, and she tell, like she, they have a bit of a conversation with Araki where they're like, "Hey, good job with the movie, bud. You did good. I liked it." And then they start walking off, and you hear her go, "Man, your pit sweat is out of control. You're never gonna get a girl like that." <laughs> yep, I heard. I remember hearing that even in the dub. Which there's the roast for you, Anthony. Wait a second. Some bullshit. I need more prop. I need more prop master in the life so we can put more on you, motherfucker. Nope, that's it. I think I don't think he ever shows up again. Get fucked. <laughs> Mayaka is kind of not surprised by you know the the results and that Areki came up with it. Uh, Chitanda wants to tell him something, but then runs off after Satoshi. Is Satoshi even there? Yeah, I think Satoshi's probably there. Either way, it's just Mayaka and Areki. She pulls him aside and asks him about the solution. And said, and basically drops like, but what about the rope that Hongo requested? Fuck. Mm -hmm. This is this I do like about um, this is yeah. Maka is like a total equal to Oweki in this scene, and I love it. Well, it's almost like not. She almost, in a way, she beats him, right? I mean, yeah, I guess it's not competition, Owens. It kind of is, but yeah, she she definitely like rises to his level, which is definitely going to be. Not that specifically, but how this plays out is more important for Oreki than for Mayaka, I think. Yeah. I don't know if she rises to his level, right? All she did was the same thing he did earlier where he just says, no, that can't work because... Right, but 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 also, you know, as we'll see, like, that's not some, something he realized. Like, he caught something... She caught something he missed. There's quite a few things that this man didn't realize. Well, yeah. Uh, and that, with the end of episode 10, retires another notebook for me. <laughs> Let's get into episode 11, Credit Roll of Fools. Uh, Mayaka blows open Areki's ending, basically all centered around the rope, and kind of roasts him a little bit, but he looks taken aback, and she starts to let up. And then kind of goes back in a little bit. 
Um, but I, I think this is still like a great scene to show like how their the relationship between those two has developed, and especially Mayaka has like great gained uh, a respect for Areki now that he's taken a more active role in life <laughs> because yeah. she she's like trying to be like, hey man, like you're you're wrong, like this isn't right, like I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but you you know you're not like this is wrong. I was just kind of confused about. Like, just taking all three of these into account. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand when someone's, like, wrong or whatever, you know? You want to be like, hey, did you think about this? And then you can talk it over. But they were, like, fucking over, like, really dramatic about these. <laughs> they were like, listen, were you, was that your ending? Or was that her ending? Because the weight of the world relies upon your next, like, fucking answer, yes or no. And I was like, y'all act real fucking weird about a... <laughs> <laughs> fucking amateur movie in a high school. Like, let's fucking chill. I mean, if you think about it, though, Chitanda is like that. Yeah, Chitanda makes sense, but that, but this is, I said, why is everyone acting so fucking, like, everyone was doing this shit. And then Mayaki, Mayaki is, is always going to tell if, um... Again, she can, like, she... poke fun at him and be like, hey, you forgot about the rope, dummy. You know, but they were not, they were like, her reputation's gonna help you over because it's wrong. It's just, it's just you're in here. It's, it's just wrong. It's like you can't put your name on it. If it, and I was like, dude, God, I need to fucking like lay, lay back. So there's a couple things with that. First of all, you're not entirely wrong. Second, I think all three of them do approach it very differently, and we're gonna talk about that. Um, and specifically with Mayaka, she approaches it as you know telling him that he's wrong right like mm -hmm. she's approaching it that this is his theory on hongo's ending she doesn't even say like was this your ending though like she's not she doesn't she's not interested in that conversation uh, well also it's because uh uh chitandra didn't have that she wasn't there right no the, the mayaka this is mayaka yeah, she, yeah. she didn't uh, she didn't ask Areki like is this the ending you came up with She's basically just telling him that his theory on what he thought Hongo's ending, if this is what he thinks Hongo's ending was, he's wrong. Like, th that's how she approaches this situation. And, and, and yeah, you're right, it is a little overdramatic, but also maybe worth considering that, like, to our knowledge, Areki's never been wrong. <laughs> it, it might be a bit of, like, a sensitive thing, it, and as it very clearly is, because we go right into the next scene... Or well, not right. Well, yeah, he start he starts to have his doubts. He like internalizes a little bit, and consider it from his perspective, right? The stuff you were talking well, about. Actually, I'm yeah, I'm gonna love considering from him his perspective because he just got called like special, and this is like you know all this going through, and now he's like, wait, am I? Mm -hmm. Like that's completely fine, but I just thought it was a little over dramatic. Yeah, on everyone else's side of things. Like even that aside, like this feels from what we know, like the first time Areki has like put himself out there, right? He He's taking ownership of his ability. He's taking ownership of solving this, like even going so far as to name the movie where he could have just said, I don't care and walked out of the room. He is taking ownership of this solution. The first time he's, the, the first time he's doing that outside of, you know, pr pretending it's just like, oh, it's just luck or whatever and brushing it off and pretending not to care. He's getting called out. He's he's failed, basically. I mean, I, I think this one's a little bit different for sure because he, yeah, like you said, put his name on it and stuff. But I I mean, this isn't the first time he's tried. No, but it's the first time he's allowed himself to feel like he's tried. Yeah, because if you remember, the Empress did tell him that he is a special little kid. Yeah, exactly. And he allowed himself to start thinking that way. 
and then he immediately fails. Hmm. I guess the, the only difference I have, I guess, between that and uh, in my mind, he hasn't completely thought of himself as that special boy yet. He's just been introduced by more than his inside friends that he is special. You know what I mean? It's it's in the back of his mind and he's going through it. I didn't think one person telling him that would instantly be like, I'm now special. It's the internal conflict that's happening. I don't think it instantly like fucking snaps and he's just special now, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it is. It is the conflict for sure. But he's immediately getting strong evidence that he he his his confirmation of him just being lucky and boring and average is correct. Mm-hmm. I agree. Also, it's not just one random person. It's the Empress. She's so sore of, of herself. I think she can convince Oku- Oreki. Oreki. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Oeki <laughs> that he's special. Like Bro, she's post-it so notes and put them on your monitor with the character. <laughs> put them on your names. forehead. I, I did. I did. I just it's uh what's it called? I should put it over my Audacity. In case Audacity fucks up, I wouldn't know because I have a cheat over it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying that the Empress Lady, I think she can convince somebody that you're special, even even somebody like Oka Oreki. Okukai. Oeki. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of circle back to this, but I'll keep moving for a minute. Uh, Satoshi then approaches Oreki and wants to talk about the ending. Man's having a good day. <laughs> and Satoshi is, is literally like, hey, man, I thought the movie was good. Like, it was right up my alley. Was that your ending? Because if it was your ending, great job. And Oreki is like, convinced, like he's, he's convinced himself that it was Hongo's ending. He won't say that it was his ending. Even though everyone loves the ending, right? He's so mm-hmm. he's so stuck on being right about it being Hongo's ending and solving something rather than coming up with himself. Almost in like a Satoshi way, he won't he won't put himself out there. He he's willing to put Hongo out there and say this is what Hongo did. And even though it'd be so easy for him to say this is what I came up with based on the information. Like this is my ending to the movie. Um, but you could think of it. You could think of it two different ways. I mean, Oeki. I think he does truly believe this is Hondo's ending. I don't think he's the one who thinks he made it up. It's the it's the time when he gets when he, all three of his friends tell him, "Yeah, this is not the ending that he was going for." Yeah, I think I you're right. he he definitely deluded himself into thinking that it was Hondo's ending. But yeah. I think deep down he knows he's wrong. It's not. No, no, I think he thinks he's right just because, like, he did not think of it from, um, what's it called, Chanda's point of view or mm-hmm. Chitanda's point of view. Because Chitanda's point of view is the fact that Chitanda really knows how uh, Hondos feel. Oreki never put those two things together. He never put the artist making the film. You know what I'm saying? All he did was put the facts in. All the facts are pointing to the fact that the cameraman was the killer. He did not put Hondo's point of view into it. He looked at it as a spectator, not a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. And that, that perfectly leads into, you know, Chitanda then wants to talk about the movie. And like Mikey said, she wants to talk about, she almost doesn't care about the movie, right? She wants to talk about Hongo. Yeah. And Hongo's perspective. And that, that's what I mean. Like they all approach it differently. They don't, they don't all come to him and say like, you're wrong about the ending. Satoshi tries to get, Oreki to embrace himself. Mayaka tries to get him to recognize his flaw, I guess. And Chitanda just tries to get him to see uh, a different perspective on it, a more human perspective on it. Um, and, and then Chitanda straight up <laughs> lays out the the like ending quote thing of why didn't Irisu just ask Eba to 
get in contact with Hongo and like figure out what the ending was supposed to be. She's sure she had it all planned out. I thought about that at the end or I thought about the very beginning. I was like, why didn't no one just go ask her? Um, Yeah, I was really surprised last time when neither of you brought that up. (laughs) Oh, no, I was thinking about it, but I was really thinking about the mystery. I didn't care about this fucking chick. People call me the modern day Oweki or Okabe or whatever his fucking name is. No one does that. (laughs) No one will ever do that. Yeah, and Chitanda kind of goes through it and like really breaks everything down here and like almost wreckies the situation explaining how like, yeah, who Hongo is as a person and why it would have been easy to get the information from Hongo. Yeah. And like how Abo should, if someone probably knows and Abo, even if she was like incapacitated, Abo is such a good friend to her that she would have been able to get in there and people know the ending. She would never have held captive over like everybody else for the ending. Right. She would have told them. Uh, Areki goes into his whodunit theater <laughs> and <laughs> starts to think about everything. Uh, and he starts to try and regress where he's like, ah, you know, fuck the rosy life. I'm not that smart. I'm not that special. Fuck everything. At this point where Areki is kind of trying to regress into being old Areki, deciding that everything he's been doing up to this point has been stupid and pointless. Areki is finally confronted with like one of the big couple things in this show. Um, which is failure and shortcomings and weakness and how the characters cope with and confront it. I think Areki might actually be the first one to just like full on have to. But at this point, we do have like hints of it from Mayaka and uh, Satoshi. Chitanda, I don't think ever gets as heavy into it as the rest of them do, but she she gets a little in the next set of episodes. So I, I think that's just something to keep in mind. And again, think that think about Satoshi and how he maybe confronts his own shortcomings and copes with them and whether you truly think he's just fine with it and moves on. Um, and then we go into him reading Mysteries of Tarot. He opens up to the Empress, which is maternal, affectionate, fertile mind, sensitivity, uh, which he feels does not apply to Irisu at all. And boy, is he correct. I guarantee there's a better tarot card for her. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I wish I knew more about tarot. Um, he, then he goes to look up other people. So he looks up Mayaka, who is justice, which is equality, righteousness, fairness. And he's like, yeah, sure. That tracks. Checks out. Uh, looks up magician, who is Satoshi. It's initiative, originality, interest. And he goes, hmm, and moves on. <laughs> Uh, then he looks up the fool, which is Chitanda, curiosity, impulse to act. And he's like, you're fucking nailed it. Uh, then he looks up strength, which is inner fortitude, fighting spirit and bonds. And we go to the lion being controlled by a kind woman thing. He, he goes through this whole rumination of if he's really strength, uh, maybe he is. But the one thing I found interesting about this is that when he's reading the book, there's a shot of the book and Weirdly prominently framed is the lovers arcana. So I went and looked up the lovers on a few different things and what that means. Strap in, boys. And it means from what the best I could get it to keep it short is that it's a love, harmony, relationships, values, alignment, and choices. Um, and the depiction is like generally a, a naked man and woman just like staring at each other, which is used to uh, represent in a way, like an open communication. And that's when he's looking up who? He's looking up himself. He's looking at strength. 
And then they show us a picture of the book, a shot of the book. And the only one like really framed in the shot is lovers. We see the others, but lovers is like in the center. Yeah. Um, and thinking about it a little bit, I kind of feel like I could see him as lovers. Not, yeah. Obviously, there's the on the nose stuff of like, you know, his relationship with Shatanda or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think specifically the choices part and the fact that for him to actually push himself forward, he's going to have to start uh, acting on his own and doing things of his own volition and taking ownership of himself rather than waiting for a kind woman. <laughs> to do it for him yeah and also if you take the depiction like the open communication stuff so much i know it's like a meme at this point for me to say like the 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 true mystery is the characters <laughs> but it, it kind of is and it's the characters we made along the way for these characters to you know move forward with themselves and with each other really they have to just be open and honest about who they are because they're all kind of they're all kind of hiding stuff chitanda i i always think less so actively anyway but all of them are pushing something down but he ruminates on if he's strength and starts to think about oh well maybe i changed my viewpoint and then he has his eureka moment uh we cut to later irisu invites him to the launch party uh which he's not going to go to so they go to have tea again because they need to talk. And Areki just straight calls her out and he is pissed. Like he is looking intense, dude. Yeah, he's not having a good day. And she's not about to have a good conversation. No. Uh, Areki goes over the analysis of Hongo's notes that they found in the Sherlock Holmes things where she they learned that she preferred happy endings and not the ones where people died. Hence. Yeah, I saw the ranking system, and I only could think of Yakuza. I did not know that was like a system Yo. in Japanese things. Hmm? Did we ever? Did they actually ever discover what the rope was for? They did. I, it was this really yeah. dumb thing. I did not understand what the rope was for. Oh, her climbing down. That's right. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was originally supposed to like climb down and stab the guy, and yeah. He talks about the the questionnaires and how there was one ineligible vote because it was for no dead bodies. And Areki then explains Irisu's plan to her, where she was basically hiring them not to solve the ending, but to write the ending. Uh, he calls her out for being manipulative, and there's just like a ton of rapid cuts in the scene, which is extremely jarring. And then he asks her about the whole thing she said about skill, and everyone should be aware of who they are. To which Irisu says she did not mean it sincerely. Well, she says, I didn't mean it sincerely, but so you can you can call it a lie if you want. God, this this woman's great. And he says he's relieved to hear that. He's walking home. We cannot see his face because man's not having a good time. Yeah, that was the fucking scene. Yeah, he walks past the puppet detective show poster. <laughs> it's like, come, great detective, solve our puppet mysteries. He punches the poster. A- anything anything you want to talk about with the uh, the Areki Irisu confrontation? And or or for me specifically, I think the interesting point is why he would say he's relieved to hear that she wasn't being sincere. Um, the only thing I think of, uh, I think just because of all the confront, like, holy fuck, the probably the thesis you could write on the amount of symbolism in this fucking thing, at least in mm-hmm. these like past four episodes. I truly believe that he's not completely mad at her. I think he 100% is taking this out on her in that scenario where he could not 
like he couldn't solve this mystery on top of the other thing he was trying to do because it was taking more of his attention away. Plus the fact that like he, he, he really wants to believe that women aren't manipulating him. And this is just another reason for him to believe that or to have believed that. <laughs> and then uh, what specifically were you asking? Uh, well, no. Yeah. Why he was relieved to hear that she wasn't. Oh, yeah. No. Why he was relieved to hear that she wasn't being sincere with her. Her yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means, yeah, 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 yeah. And if that, and if those things, like assuming those things that he believed to be true up until then, or that she also, like, yeah, calling him special or whatever, it gives him an out, right? That he isn't as special as he was being led on the, to believe. Right. So he didn't fail. Exactly. He didn't fail because he wasn't exactly what they were calling him. Mm-hmm. So he's relieved to hear that, you know, which, I mean, but that's not going to fucking work, bro. <laughs> No, and of course he's not relieved because he yeah. immediately goes and punches yeah, a puppet poster. Not. He fucking like he chads it up on that poster. Yeah, dude. Um, we end with another IM conversation between Irisu and Hongo. Uh, Hongo says she just wanted to celebrate with everyone. Didn't really matter how the movie turned out. And then the, the, those two like end their conversation, and Irisu starts talking to our mysterious instant messenger again. Um, she says they're they're talking, and Irisu says, "I think I did something inexcusable to him." And the other mess, the other person calls her out, being like, "You didn't bring him in to finish it. You brought him, or because you didn't know, or because whatever, you brought him in because you thought the script was dull." Uh, which she's like, she basically cops to. She's like, "Yeah, I didn't think the movie was gonna be good, so I need to make it better." She ain't lying. God, that that movie would have been bad. Yeah. Although Irisu does get kind of defensive here, basically being like, like, like she's like, I, I had to do it. Like, I, I had no choice. And the other person chatting just leaves. I think this is a great scene for Irisu too, because it does show that she's not just like a fucking sociopath, right? Like she does show a little bit of remorse about manipulating Areki. And then she gets defensive when called out by her senpai. Senpai? Yeah. Which, I mean, you guys know who it is now, right? No. Really? <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm so done with these chat wrongs. I didn't even know she was talking to uh, Hongo. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> I was just like, okay, yeah, I hope I hope Chris can explain this to me. Yeah, okay, so I'm, yeah. I'm like 99% sure the other person she's talking to, the senpai, is Tomoe, uh, Areki's sister. Oh. Because it, she even, I, at one point, she's even like, yeah, you did it, did this and this and this, and that dummy didn't even figure it out. And Irisu says something like, yeah, it's hard to bluff someone on the other side of the world. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I'm fairly certain that it's Tomoe, and is also the third person she heard about Areki from. Hmm. Yeah, I know, that's a better theory than what I got. And also why she would show remorse to her about, you know, like, hey, sorry, I was kind of mean to your brother. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but we come back to the club room. Chitanda and Areki are just chilling, reading. Uh, they say they're not being like themselves. And Chitanda immediately fixes it by asking about the Okay, fine. She was the movie. basically hit him with the... Yeah. Fine, I'll ask you to tell me the movie. Mm -hmm. And Areki explains it. The seventh person was a narrator. Uh, and Chitanda fills in the gaps, basically, with all the feelings of... Uh, the person repelled and stabbed the guy and then felt bad about it and like made it. And they talked and reached an understanding and the guy went in the room to make it seem like he slipped and fell on glass. God, that movie's so bad. <laughs> it's a mystery film too. That's the sad part about that. Like, Oh, we skipped over the part where uh, she didn't want to, she was voted to write the script and also it was voted that it would be a mystery. At no point was it her desire to write a mystery movie. <laughs> 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Throwing somebody under the bus. Yeah. What the fuck? This is okay. No, now I know why the movie is so bad. Okay. They so didn't want to do it. Uh, and they, Jatanda's like, yeah, I'm curious, like what, what would make someone stab someone and then they forgive each other, which <laughs> uh, I feel like has some analogies here, specifically with Areki and Irisu, perhaps. And Areki questions Chitanda about Hongo, basically, and Hongo or Chitanda thinks that she is similar to Hongo and also doesn't like it when people die in stories. Can't relate. <laughs> Honestly, me either. Sometimes. Depends. I love a good death. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh, go through episode 12. Those things piled up endlessly. We open with Chitanda walking at night, toss over to, or we jump over to Mayaka, who's tossing and turning, and holy shit, her room, you guys. Oh, Could that girl like manga more? <laughs> Could be weird, man. Quit looking at her room. Uh, Satoshi is in his room. I didn't know, I didn't take anything out of Satoshi's room. <laughs> Maybe because it was like so normal. Uh, Satoshi is excited about the Culture Fest, and Areki is browsing the Culture Fest website. We come back to Chitanda, who is praying to a shrine that the next three days go well. And we get our new opening of Mikanse Stride, uh, performed by Saori Kodama. Explain yourself, Chris. I'm going to say, wait. Explain. You made me pick an anime based on the song, and then you changed the song halfway through. Explain yourself, sir. All animes, well, most anime change their intro after like 12 or 13 episodes. I'm so upset. <laughs> Uh, we come back from the opening. Tomei is home. Uh, she's teasing Areki about troubles in the Classic Lit Club. Like, hey, would it be a year at the Classic Lit Club? Some shit didn't go <laughs> Am down. Am I right? <laughs> uh, her English dub voice is so the best so far. Really? It's so older sister that would have traveled the world. Like, yeah. Is it very, like, very shitty, but, you know, she's just teasing. For the most part, yeah. That's what it comes off as. Almost like um, she's going to tell you about the, oh, God, that stereotypical, like, I went away for foreign, like, uh, school or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you about it. Yeah. You just got, I just got that from her voice. It's like, dude, that's, it's so perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she teases him a bit and then gives him, he's like, wow, you can't even, like, give me a gift. And she gives him a pen and is like, by the way, the tip doesn't work and the ink's gone what the fuck he's like am i supposed to thank you for this <laughs> this dog shit gift he starts to leave and she's like i'll come visit if i have time he pokes back and says, please don't please don't yeah i like the please don't actually he, he says no stay away <laughs> uh we cut to them walking into school we see mayaka in costume she's so cute she doesn't seem like she's having a great time no I want to give her a hug. Satoshi runs up ahead of um, Oreki, which I I think this line is like pitch perfect because this is exactly what this dude would say in that he says, I'm going to go bother her. (laughs) Because like, yeah, he just wants to go hang out and check up with his good friend. But like he has to say it in a way. It's like, yeah, I'm a fucking nuisance. Uh, Mayaka seems like really self-conscious. Satoshi tells her, it's like, hey, you look good at those clothes. Nice cosplay. About it. And then, oh, yeah. well, I don't think he was really being a jerk. I just think she's uncomfortable receiving compliments from the guy she has a giant crush on, but is not reciprocating. 
no, but no, it, Satoshi knows he's doing this to this goal. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I don't think he's reading that much into it. I think he's just trying to be nice. No, I think he's teasing, and I don't, I don't like this about him. Like, he obviously knows that the goal has a crush on on um, the goal has a crush on him, and he goes to Hoy and says, "Oh, you look really good today." Well, he says those like, like he's complimenting her cosplay. I think is what he's trying to do. No, he he knows what he's doing is like um, making Hoy uncomfortable. Mm. Because he says cosplay, and he would know, because in Japanese society, cosplaying is, like, not a good thing. Like, it's better if you say dress up than cosplay. You get what I'm saying? Uh, sure, I haven't heard that. No, I mean, you can look at it in this episode. He says dress up instead of cosplay. And he's like, do you know where we're at? Like, it's not good that you're saying cosplay here. Yeah. We're not in a con- convention. Yeah, yeah, she specifically says, like, don't use cosplay in front of respectable folks. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But Mayaka has shown like insecurity about her manga stuff before, so I, I, I don't know. I I don't like this from Satoshi. Yeah, I mean, I I understand that. I don't think he's trying to be an asshole, but and she is. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, I can just talk about it. So he she is dressed up as Frobisheri Furl from a manga called They Were Eleven that came out in 1975. I actually read this. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the first time I watched Yoka, I remember looking up, like, all the cosplays. I was like, that actually sounds kind of interesting, and I went and read it. Um, it's pretty short. Um, it's basically about, I think it's ten, like, space cadets, basically, are on a station, and they have to, um, survive a certain amount of stuff or whatever to finish their final test, and they learn that, also, they're orbiting, like, a, a degrading star or something, so they were on a time limit, and also there's 11 people on board when there's only supposed to be 10. So it's that kind of story. Shit goes sideways. Um, and Froll specifically as a character is really interesting for 1975 because uh, Froll is from a planet where the people are agendered until they reach adulthood where they get to choose their gender. Oh, that's interesting. Holy fuck. Is that topical? And the whole story is like, or the whole, Froll's whole part anyway, is that um, I'm, I'm going to use she to refer to Froll because at the end she decides to become a woman. Froll is like constantly at odds with the main, the other main character, Tata, who's a man. And like Froll wants to be a man, even though uh, she has more like feminine features. But she also constantly mocks Tata like, oh, I'm bigger than you. My, my limbs are longer than yours and like all this other shit. And of course, through the, it's a, again, short story, but through the course of it, uh, Froll ends up falling in love with Tata and decides to be a woman so that she can be with Tata. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't need to talk a ton about They Were Eleven, but that's kind of the 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 thing there. It's a really interesting deep gut. That's I crazy. I don't think, especially in 2012, that it that is any commentary on Mayaka's character. But I think it's an interesting story, especially coming out of 1975. No kidding. So uh, she as she inquires about Satoshi's backpack, uh, to which he alludes that there's a surprise in it. Nice purple backpack. I really like the backpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, my we learn Mayaka is stuck being sales, so she won't get to fuck around and have fun. Uh, Satoshi tries to cheer her up. Uh, it doesn't work, and then he tells her, "Hey, you can't help what happened." And she's like, "Yeah, I guess whatever." Uh, we get a quick walk through the festival until we reach the lonely lit club room. 
Areki then also tries to cheer up Mayaka in his own weird way, where he's like, listen, if you don't cheer up, Chitana's going to get worried too, okay? <laughs> That's great. Get your shit together. <laughs> it's like, then we're going to have to both deal with her. Uh, and we learn part of the reason why she's feeling so down is because she was supposed to order 30 copies and she ordered 200 <laughs> of their anthology. I love the reveal on that. It was so fucking good because they were they were just hinting around an issue. Yeah. And like, yeah. And then like it just uh, I got to, and they didn't really they just like I got too many copies and we were like, oh, OK. And then they're like, how many we're supposed to have 30? And she's like, how many did you order? And they just phase 200. <laughs> Yeah. It's so good. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Satoshi's going to try and make his entrance. God, it's so good. He screams galaxy, bumps into the door, hurts his Saturn. <laughs> so good. He's like, like, oh, no, my Saturn. He's like Naruto running into the fucking thing. Yeah. He's fucking doink. Uh, you love a idiot. <laughs> We cut to a scene of everyone trying to cheer up Mayaka, everyone taking responsibility, being like, listen, Chitanda's the club president. She should have overseen it. Areki fucking checked out after he did his part. <laughs> that should have been more observant. Then <laughs> uh, They all should have done. She's like, ah, thanks, guys. It kind of forces a smile. Uh, then they start trying to decide how are they going to sell copies. And they come up with the idea to set up new stalls in more accessible places, but they'll need permission. Uh, Chitanda is put in charge of the negotiation, which she does not seem pleased about. Uh, although Satoshi will be there for support, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Satoshi shit. is in charge of publicity and he's going to go participate in contests, which Areki is like, this motherfucker just wants to go have fun. And and that's where he has his like fucking idea or whatever. And he's mm -hmm. like, and I'll stay here. Someone has to mind the store. Yeah. And they're like, that's a good idea. And everybody's just quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Which they can't refute them, really. Yeah. They break with Chitanda leading them in a team cheer, which they all seem very unsure of. I do like the fact that Oweki, um, very last guy to put his uh, arm in. Yeah. <laughs> so lazily, too. They're already done. And then he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see the opening ceremony, which... They apparently decided to animate a half-minute hip-hop dance for no reason. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love this thing. Everybody's like, everybody's so, like, engrossed in this. Yeah. Uh, Satoshi is engrossed in it, and Shitanda's like, oh, I can't I can't be distracted. I have to leave. And she starts leaving, and she just gets distracted during the God way. God damn it, yeah. so Get good. it together. First, she stops <laughs> to do calligraphy, where she writes, uh cultivating rice is cultivating soil or something yeah just like a farmer's daughter <laughs> yeah and then she stops to play 100 poets and is really good at it apparently um which do you know what 100 poets is does that have to do with 100 poets yeah i think so i think it's a there. card game where there's like poems written on cards and then there's like drawings or names or something on other cards and one person reads the poems and uh, when you know what the poem, when you know who wrote the poem, you slap your card down, and if you get it first, you win that round, uh. or something like that. She arrives at the executive room, and there is no answer. Uh, admires a pretty poster next to it, which I I'm going to assume was for the manga club because it didn't explicitly say. Uh, and then the executive chair guy Tanabe comes up, and Chitanda <laughs> asks him for more space to sell, and does a terrible job. <laughs> I, I do love this. This, this is why Shatanda was um so uh did not want to talk to this guy. 
She's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck this up. And she fucks, mm. <laughs> she fucks it up. <laughs> uh, then she has thought, I thought Satoshi was supposed to be here with me. Cut to him watching an improv show. <laughs> yep. And he's shit. losing it, too. Yeah, he's having a good time, dude. It's like the best improv show he's like we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, we come back, and Tanabe's like, eh, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> but if other stalls will let you sell there, I don't know. God, dude, he could have saved us so much trouble, screen time, and breath. But I'm pretty sure he said, like, hold up about eight times or something like that. <laughs> no, I just love this scene because Shatanda goes in and she says, we need more star space. And he's like, I can't do that. She's like, understand. We'll have a nice day. He's like, hold yeah. on. <laughs> hold on. And he's, no, no. It's like before that. He's like, and he sees, she realizes, oh, my name is Shatanda. I'm in the class. Oh, club. Yeah. We need more soft space. And he's like, we can't do that. It's like, still can't do yeah. it. We go to Mayaka heading to the manga club. And we see some other uh, people in cosplay. Uh, we see... The clicky girls, who we'll talk about in a sec, are Hatsune Miku and other Vocaloids. Kochi, the girl Mayaka ends up talking to, is dressed as Nakoruru, a character from Samurai Showdown. So for, first she or comments on like, hmm, you should have done something with your shoes too. Weird. And the other, like the Vocaloids kind of start to talk shit of like, oh, she did cosplay even after disagreeing or whatever. And this girl's like, Come on, guys. Don't be like that. I hate these fuckers. Yeah. Well, the president was like, yeah. No, no, no. It was uh, the girl who's dressed up. It, she does. She's. Oh, she yeah, actually right. says it in kind of a weird way of like, you don't have to say it like that. Like, she's not yeah. disagreeing. She's not silencing them. She's being like, she's trying to be like, walk the middle. And, and I, I really like that. They, they set up that Mayaka and this girl probably had some sort of disagreement. And these other girls are being shitty about it. And they're, you know, they're the Vocaloids. They're the, probably the most mainstream thing you could have picked for cosplay in 2012. <laughs> Hatsune Miku had fucking concerts. But then this other girl, the one that Mayaka is actually potentially butting heads with, is a character for fucking Samurai Showdown. So the, it, it's like the implication that this girl like actually also went for a deep cut. She also actually cares about this shit. Where it'd be, again, so easy to just make, play her off as like, oh, she's the fake girl who doesn't care about manga. Fuck her. But no, she, they, they, they kind of play it off like she's probably pretty serious about this stuff, too. It's, it's weird because they're all in a manga club. So, so they all chose to be inside this club. Yeah. But obviously people are going to have different levels of passion for it. And yeah. making her a, an obscure character shows a level of passion above the Vocaloids. Which is probably why Mayaka is also dressed as a fucking a weird, obscure character from a 1975 sci-fi manga. <laughs> um, the president then comes in and offers to reimburse Mayaka for her expensive belt, I guess. Uh, to which Mayaka refuses and is, we learn that she's supposed to ask to sell Hioka there but gets too afraid. <laughs> um and then what? It's kind of nice. Like other girls come up and start to be friends with Mayaka and ask about. There's a bunch of shit going on. The manga club was lit. Yeah. No. What? No, it's it's like I think it's Mayaka's like personal friends in the manga club. Yeah. Because those like yeah those those people who like the vocaloids or whatever it is with. I think Mayaka was just opposed to the cosplaying idea in the manga club. But then she still did it, which is maybe an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. Does he still like? 
Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, you're right. I think those probably are just like Mayaka's other friends, which is kind of a good point that we don't we don't get in a lot of fiction and we even don't get a lot in this show. But this episode kind of hints at it, like especially during the um, opening ceremony, we see all the characters having some kind of interaction with another person, implying that like, yeah, they have lives outside of each other. <laughs> More or less, like we're, we're seeing all that we only see their interactions, but yeah. they have other friends. They have other shit going on because these girls immediately come up to Mayaka and like, hey, cool cosplay. What's it from? Oh, that sounds neat. You should lend it to me sometime. Like just being all cheery and friendly with her. And they probably heard the other girls being assholes and trying to just cheer her up. But then customers come and Mayaka does her best to put on a a good customer service face before we cut over to a recce who... Uh, We'll do the same in a moment. Dude, that their room is dead ass, like at the end of the fucking hallway away from every fucking thing. Yeah, I think that guy even says, like, why are you here? <laughs> uh, Oreki is minding the store. He drops his pen when he tries to do his little pen flip. Uh, and he starts to mark sales. He's like, well, could assume we're all going to buy two. <laughs> and then after he marks all the like guaranteed sales, he's like, well, even if we don't sell any, that's pretty good. Job well done. <laughs> Uh, he listens to the acapella club and then claps outside the window in a gif I do have saved on my computer. It, it, it's a lazy clap, too. I fucking love the fact he's doing a lazy Shit, clap. That yeah. reminds me. I missed a point earlier. At the very beginning, when they were fucking clapping after the uh, the beginning of the thing, people were, like, taking their hands and, like, throwing them to their sides and then going straight up with both hands to meet in the middle above their head to clap. Who the fuck does that? I don't know what you're talking about. You sound it's like a crazy very, person. Very beginning. I'm talking about like where you leave your hands on your like on your waist, and then you go with the overhead yes. clap. They were clapping like that during like the applause part of. I don't think it was the breakdance part, but the right before that when they said uh, we begin the festivities or whatever. Oh, there's people in the audience just fuck. I, I'm sure it's easier to animate that, but holy fuck, that was so weird. Yeah, I totally missed that. But yeah, I'm kind of curious now. I might go back and watch that. <laughs> but uh, also we hear outside the window that someone's apples, apple juice is missing. God, that was what? Uh, and then Areki goes and sits back down and a punk comes in, much to his shock. A punk rock? He is like so fucking taken and surprised by this dude. Like he almost doesn't know what to do. I was like, Oreki is like some detective. He's like, this guy, is this guy from like the punk club or something like that? Or is he like punk or? No, the guy is just from the clothes club. Mm. High fashion. Uh, fashion club. It's some high fashion club. The punk does buy a copy, though. And Araki's like, shit, I have to be a courteous salesperson. He's like, I'll oh, have no. to show gratitude. <laughs> so good. And then does the worst for smile. It's like, oh, I can't no, even he, smile. He, yeah, he's like, I can't even smile. That's great. The punk ends up being interested in Araki's pen because he's in the clothing club and he forgot something like putting his front pocket yeah and he trades Oreki a priority pass to the show for the pen come back to chitanda listening to the acapella club and then she of course gets roped into a photo shoot <laughs> and that penguin costume is fucking adorable the penguin costume was the best one no the fact that she got put into a maid outfit is hilarious it's so it just reminds me of Kayon so much and always just knows why. But like mm. the maid, I'm like, why is she in a maid outfit? And I fucking love it because it's so funny. And the big one costume is fantastic. It's so fucking good. Uh, we follow Jatanda for a bit as she struggles through <laughs> her fucking hall of temptations. She's like, I got to stay on mission. I can't go play with the occult club. 
Is there glasses that only like what? let you see in front yeah, of you? She's like, I wish there was an equestrian club so I could find blinders. Uh, and we end with the thing, Welcome to Kanya Festa, which is not a reference to anything. And the new ending, Kimi ni Matsuwaru Mystery. I don't know what it is, but I like it better. I also like it better, and I really like the ending animation <laughs> with uh, Chitanda and Mayaka dressed as Sherlock and Poirot. Yes. Yeah, I didn't see it, so... What do you mean you didn't see it? Did you close your eyes? I turned it off as soon as I hit the thing. Uh, I, I watched like the just watched the first like 15, 20 seconds at least. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's very it's very cute and fun. But uh, that is it for episode 12. Kind of probably sets up what we're going into next. I, I did like this episode. I like like I said, I like comedy and this was a pretty comedic episode. I mean, there was no mystery behind it. Not yet. Yeah. Probably the mystery about the orange juice. We probably have to figure that out next apple episode. Juice. The apple juice. I I mean, I don't well, What if it was orange juice? It was, and it was apple. Oh, okay. Solved the mystery, boys. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> well done. But uh, yeah, any any other final thoughts on this batch of... Um, show's starting to grow on me. Hell yeah. I mean, the show is growing on me, but it'd be one of those shows that I drop still. Yeah, I would have never it. have made it this far. <laughs> uh, favorite characters maintain? Mayaka. Yep. Mayaka. What? You guys are really bad at names. It's like amazing. I'm pretty sure it's my... Because I, I wrote that one specifically down, though. It's Mayaka. Uh, I like Maya. Maya-chan. Maya-chan, exactly. I think she's pretty cool. Um, I think I will like Oreki later once he like finally flushes himself out. Satoshi's pretty boring. And Chitandra is just not, like, I don't care for, like, the super excitable people. They have their mm. place in the story, but I'm, yeah, fucking just, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, I I like all the characters. I mean, it's one of those ones where I just really like the way they all play off each other and their dynamics and stuff, especially knowing some of the stuff that comes later. Uh, but I, I definitely think Mayaka is probably my favorite character. Uh, I mean, I agree with you. I actually do like Mayaka, but... um. Actually, I like the Empress goal. I wish he was so up. I need more. Need more. Uh, was it egg? Yurisu. Yeah, I need. I need more of like more issues in the show. You know what I'm saying? More what? Like not happy go lucky or something like that in the show. Like she's completely different from like any part of the show. You know what I mean? Whenever she steps in, you're like, oh, this is like. You know what I mean? We we're about to. She's not nice. You're going to think. Yeah, I, I feel like too much of her would almost be like, it feels like a weird thing to say about an anime, but overly cartoonish where everyone else shows like different emotions and different layers. If she was just always that the whole time and be like, OK, come on. No, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Good argument. We've already seen her not yeah. be that. though. Well, I mean, if there was a lot more of her and she didn't become like a well-rounded person who goes through everything like all the other characters. I think it would feel out of place. Anything else on this batch of episodes or anything? Um, just want to mention, I don't know if you're, I'm sure you recovered it, but uh, we are watching for swapping the five episodes for the last two. Oh, yes. Good point. I did not mention it. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, we'll be watching the next five since there's 10 left. Yes. Monkey, any final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, follow our Twitter page, uh, My Force Anime Pod. Because um, somebody's going to do something with that Twitter page. It's either me, Anthony, or Owens. Uh, Once we figure out the logistics behind it. Anyway, on that note, 
Yes, if you want to know how to get in contact with us through Twitter or email or whatever, see what else we're doing. Uh, listen after the music where we plug all our stuff. Otherwise, uh, next five episodes of Hioka next week. And we will see you next time on my first anime. Yay. Monkeys out. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks as always for listening. We decided to smash through fate and forge our own futures by launching a Patreon. You can check that out over on patreon.com slash myfirstanime, where hopefully by this point we figured out some cool shit to do. Or if you would just like to leave us a review and uh, rating on wherever you get your podcasts, that helps as well. And also, I am winging this, you know, also has wings, Twiddle. So at us, at my first anime and other shenanigans, talk about how awesome I am. That's Salvador, also Monkey. Just really just leave comments about me is what I'm asking for. I'm also plugging, I guess, my stream on uh, twitch.tv slash uh, stmonkey with a zero. And if you want to email us, uh, our email address is myfirstanimepodcast at gmail.com. And you can check out pictures of my cat on Instagram and Twitter under the handle of Sir Paper Plate. See you next time on My, my First, first Anime. anime. <laughs> Did it in one. Did Perfect. It in one.